Greetings and welcome to episode 7 of the Chirping the Cats podcast. I'm your host, David Zwork, and on this episode of the podcast, I'm going to discuss some key elements to the Florida Panthers season thus far, as we're about one-third of the way through Joel Quenville's first year behind the Florida bench. I also caught up with Panthers top-line winger Jonathan Huberto, and we talked about playing for Coach Q, being the longest-tenured Panthers player on the team, and what it's been like over the years to play with linemates like Sasha Barkov and Yarmir Yager. A big goal of mine this season has been to try and understand the defensive style and approach that Quenville has brought to the team, and uh, it's meant watching games and practices very closely and spending a lot of time talking to the players and Q uh, about what they're doing and why. So uh, here's what I've come up with so far, so you bear with me. Um, the first thing I want to get into is odd man rushes. Defensively, they've been solid. Offensively, they've been poor. Now, Quenville doesn't seem too concerned about it the uh, few times that I brought it up to him. And, and I guess it made sense. The team is scoring plenty, even without taking advantage of the two-on-ones and the three-on-twos. Now, defensively, they're giving up a hell of a lot less odd man rushes lately than they were the first few weeks of the season, and the few they have been giving up have been shut down pretty easily. So kudos to the defense uh, for that. Now, offensively, you have to figure that Florida's amazing skill of scoring goals will carry over to the high-scoring situations created in odd man rushes. Watching them so far this year, you almost get the feeling that they're afraid to make the wrong move. Almost every odd man rush has seen the putt carrier hold it, Hold it, hold it, while waiting for that perfect backdoor pass to open up. Now, when it hasn't, the rush usually ends without a shot on goal. Now, on the flip side, the few times that the puck carrier has decided to shoot the puck, the shots have generally come from between the circles and a good 7 to 10 feet away from the goalie. They're kind of reminiscent of the shot attempts we've seen guys like Vincent Trocek and Mike Hoffman converting on a regular basis during shootouts this season, so I get the thought process behind that technique of shooting on the odd man rushes. Now, this area would be much more concerning if Florida wasn't scoring at the clip that they're scoring on this season. And as I said, this is the kind of thing that you figure has to eventually remedy itself considering the offensive firepower that Florida has on its roster. And since the defensive side of it has been pretty much not an issue, especially taking away the opportunities as the year has gone on, and then when they do give up the opportunities, nothing really coming from them. So... Overall, not a huge area of concern, but something to keep an eye on as we move forward this season. The next thing I want to talk about is gap control. It was one of the bigger issues earlier in the season, and it started to gradually creep its way back up as an issue in recent games. And uh, basically what I mean when I say gap control, the gap that I'm talking about is the area between the defensemen and forwards on the ice. So the forwards, let's say the Panthers' top line is rushing up the ice. you got Barkov, Huberto and Dadnov rushing up the ice, and your defensive pairing is Ekblad and Matheson, okay? So Ekblad and Matheson turn the puck over in the defensive zone, and they shoot it up to the forwards, and off go Barkov and his wingers up the ice. Now, that gap is going to widen up as the forward line moves up the ice, and it's up to the defensive pairing, that's you know, in this case Ekblad and Matheson, to keep up with the forwards and limit that gap from growing. If that gap gets too wide, there's a lot of space there for opponents to fill, and that's where they're generating a lot of the opportunities against Florida. Now, this is an issue that several Panthers players have mentioned as the season has gone on, and it's been discussed by Quenville a couple of times as well. Now, considering the amount of chances and goals this problem has led to, I feel it could be one of, if not the biggest defensive issue, albeit maybe the least discussed, this season. 
Now, a good way to keep an eye on this, if you see the Panthers giving up opportunities off of rushes, you see the defensemen are already stationed in front of the netminder, whether it's Bobrovsky or whoever. Once the defensemen are in place, it's up to the forwards to be able to track those opposing forwards that are coming in on the rush. Now, you'll see oftentimes the Panthers will get into place on the, on the defensive rush. Defensemen will be stationed in front of the net. The opposition is coming. They'll drop a pass, and all of a sudden there's somebody in the other team with tons of time and space to operate, and the, for- the Panthers forwards will be chasing behind, trying to close that gap. But it gets so wide, does that gap, that it gives the opposition time and space to work, and we've given up a lot of goals this season with the opposition utilizing that time and space. And it's something that, for a while, the Panthers really did a good job of cutting down on it, but... In the last maybe two or three games, you've seen that issue creep back up again, and it's something that they're definitely going to be keeping an eye on as the year goes, and it's something that we're going to have to watch too, uh, just to give a better idea of where the defensive struggles are lying. Because, again, while there have been defensive issues this year, they haven't all been with the defensemen, and that's something that you really should keep in mind, is that even when the team is struggling defensively, it doesn't necessarily mean the defensemen are struggling. A lot of the players will tell you it's a five-man defensive game out there. Everybody on the ice has got to be playing the same defensive game. So you can't just rely on your defensemen to be playing all that defense in the defensive zone. And I appreciate you bearing with me as I explain all this, or try at least to explain all this to you. And uh, I hope you'll let me know, whether it's on Twitter or wherever, uh, if I'm not being clear so I can try to help you out moving forward. But this is absolutely something that we're going to be keeping an eye on as the year moves on. Trust me on that one. The next thing on my list of things to talk about is the aggressive defense that Florida has and the different impacts that it's having on the team. Now, while the first priority in the defensive zone is always defense, duh, there is so much more that the Panthers defensemen are responsible for than just plain D, and it all ties to keeping Florida's opponents off the scoreboard. Now, the key to Florida's defense is puck possession. That goes for the defensemen and the forwards. As long as the Panthers are possessing the puck, there is no way they're going to give up any goals. Sounds like a solid defensive philosophy to me. When Florida gains possession of the puck, regardless of where they are on the ice, the goal is to get into the offensive zone and keep the puck there. That's the simplest way to explain the defensive philosophy, as I understand it, to this point. The defensemen are encouraged to join the rush and create a five-man attack. Once in the offensive zone, an emphasis is put on their ability to do several things at that blue line. Sure, they need to be able to keep the puck in the zone, but they also have to be able to hang on to it a lot of the time. That could mean making a move to elude an opposing forward, or buying time for a teammate to either create a screen in front of the net, or move a defender aside to create a scoring lane. Either way, there are endless responsibilities for Florida's defensemen in this system, and they certainly are not exclusive just to the defensive zone. Now, on the topic of scoring goals, this team is scoring at a clip never before seen by any Panthers team ever. Now, last season, Florida had its highest scoring season ever, scoring 267 goals. That's an average of 3.25 per game, which is really, really good. And it could just be a sign of things to come. Looking in recent history, the 515 goals scored by the Panthers between last season and the year before that are the most Florida has scored in any two-year stretch in franchise history. Now, over those two years, it's an average of 3.14 goals per game. Again, really good. It's the first time in franchise history that Florida's averaged more than three goals per game in consecutive years. So, obviously, tides are turning. This season, Florida's on pace to shatter the season scoring record. 
The Panthers are currently 5th in the league, averaging 3.44 goals per game, which would average out to 282 goals stretched out over an 82-game schedule. At one point this season, they were actually on pace to score over 300 goals, but that number has gone down with the team's recent struggles. Now, one guy who's doing anything but struggle is Jonathan Huberto. Florida's top-line left winger is having another career year, and at 26 years old, he's just getting started. He put up career-high numbers in goals, assists, and points last season, and this year he's pacing to exceed those numbers and possibly pick up the first 100-point season in Panthers history. Hubie and I sat down for a chat one day after practice at the Ice Den in Coral Springs, and here's that conversation. I hope you like it. Back here on the Chirping the Cats podcast, and boy, do we have a treat today as Florida Panthers top-line winger Jonathan Huberto is here with me today. Johnny, thank you for coming and uh, being on the podcast. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me. My pleasure, man. The first thing I wanted to talk about is you've been here the longest out of anybody. You played for Kevin Deneen, Peter Horacek, Gerard Gallant, Tom Rowe, Bob Budner, and now Joel Quenville. And I'm just curious, what's the difference for you being under so many coaches and now getting to be coached by a legend? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, it's, it's not great when you get a, a lot of coaches like that. But obviously, I mean, right now, I think we just I try not to look at the past and kind of focus on right now. And uh, having, like you said, a, a coach like this that, you know, has a lot of win under his belt, it's, uh, it's great. I think it brings a, another culture to, to our team. And uh, I think it's just been, you know, good so far. Obviously, we want to be better. But I think right now we're striving in the, in the right direction. What was your first uh, impression when Q first showed up earlier this year? Uh, well, I mean, I think we were all excited with, you know, what happened, I think, uh, in the summer and uh, all the pieces that we added. And uh, I think just coming in, I think we were just excited to get going, obviously learn the, the new system and kind of, you know, have a good start. That was our, our main goal. And you talk about the new system and you've had to learn a few different ones over the course of your career. But what's it been like learning Q system and it's like it's a defensive system, but the more I pay it attention, it's very offensive. It's very high, high uh, energy. Yeah, we kind of knew. I mean, obviously, you know, watching Chicago, they knew they were an offensive team. So I think, you know, he wants us to have the puck as, as much as possible and as quick as possible. So I think that that's direction that he, he was taking. And I feel like, you know, we're playing defensively to get the puck as quick as we can. And I think that's what we're doing. Obviously, you know, there's some breakdown to sometimes we have issues in the games, but I think it's, it happens with, you know, a lot of system. And I think we just got to work on it. We work on it in practice every every time we, we have the chance to. And I think yeah, we're just going to get better and better and as the year goes on. And how does it work for your game? Because it, it looks like you're having another amazing year. So it seems like uh, you're fitting pretty well in the system. Yeah, I mean, obviously you still like, you know, play hockey. I don't think the system changed your game, you know, all the way. I think you just got to adjust to a few things. And for me, it's just consistency, you know, be good every night. And obviously we want to get the puck Caroline and play in Arizona as much as possible. So that's what we're doing. I mean, it's been working so far. I think we have, you know, more in our in our tank and just got to get better every day. That's what I want to do every year. Uh, how does it feel this season compared to past years where it's early December, but you guys are sitting in a playoff spot. You're in one of the top spots in the division. And it's just nice to not have that big hole to have to try to dig yourself out of as the year goes on. Yeah, no, I know. I think we're in a good position, but I feel like it's really, really tight. I mean, I think you lose a few games, you're out of the playoffs. So I think it's, uh, you know, the wild card's pretty high on points I, I've seen. And uh, I think, you know, obviously Boston is really high on you know, for the first place. So I think it's, it's going to be a battle till the end. I think we just got to 
get some wins and take advantage, obviously, at the, the, the home stretch. One of the things that I've spoken to a lot of guys about, we've had some crazy comebacks this year and a lot of big wins. And a lot of guys just say that you're playing with confidence, that the coaching staff is doing a good job of filling the team up with confidence so you can believe in yourself no matter what the situation is. Yeah, I think that's uh, you know that's what we're, they're doing. Obviously, you're going to make mistakes in the game, but I don't think they really focus on that. I think they let you play. Obviously, you got to be smart decision with the time, whatever, at the end of the period and stuff and with the score. But I think, you know, you, you can play offensively. I think we have a lot of freedom. So that's good. And I think, like I said, we want to, obviously, as an offensive guy, you want to get the puck. And I think he, he let us do that. And we just got to be responsible in our own end. Uh, the last couple of years, it seems like you've really taken a step forward in your game. And uh, did anything change in your training, or is anything really can, that you can think of that change, or is it just kind of the natural progression of your career? Yeah, you always have a pro progression. I, I, see, I think it's like, you know, right now it's more my, my prime, you know, at my age. And uh, obviously you learn a lot, I think, every year. You know, I think consistency is a big thing that I learned. And uh, obviously, you know, inj injuries too. I think last year or it's been two years I played 82 games. It didn't happen in my career. So I think it's just sometimes you're, you know, stuck with injuries. Obviously, the Achilles kind of, you know, got me behind a little bit. But I think now I'm, I'm back to where I, I want to be and uh, obviously striving to get better. And I think in the summer, just, you know, obviously we had long summer, so we don't want to have that. But we had a lot of time to work on our, on, on our strength, our body. And I think right now is just the time to make the playoffs and have short summers. For your game particularly, how do you balance being, it seems like you're a bit more of a playmaking, pass-first guy, but obviously there's all the shoot, shoot, shoot talk. And is there, do you balance that at all? Does that come to your mind, or do you just react when you're out there? Yeah, obviously, for probably the first three, four years, that was mostly a pass, you know, guy mentality. But I think now I just changed a little bit my mindset that, you know, you got to shoot a little bit more so the goalie kind of respects you a little bit more, you know. So I think that's what I've been trying to do. And I think it works a little bit, you know, better on my side. So anytime now I have more decision, I started to do that in the summer and kind of, you know, got into my game in the season. And right now I feel like I got, you know, both things in my bag. I just got to trust my shot a little bit more. I mean, been making some crazy shots this year, so I think it's working out pretty well so far. <laughs> um, one thing I mentioned that you've been, you're the longest tenured Panther, so you've kind of got a feeling for what this franchise has been through over the course of its existence. And you've only been to the playoffs once in your career. So what does it mean to you personally, just that earned yearning to get back to the playoffs and make some, make some noise when you get there? It is important. I mean, like I said, you know, last year I said, you know, make the playoff once in seven years. I think that, that's not what you want to do. And <clears throat> I feel right now we have the opportunity to kind of, you know, build something. And we have the same, you know, they got confidence on the same group of guys for, for a while, I think. so. We just got to show them that they, they made the right decision. And I think that's, you know, obviously we had some, some guys that are helping us right now. And I think we just got to, you know, get going and I think make the playoffs every year. I think that's what I want to do. And I want to stay here for the rest of my career and bring a Stanley Cup, obviously, in Florida. Now, you've been with the same teammates for a few years. And it's kind of interesting the way that, like, you guys were drafted. You come up together. And now, you know, Troach is married and he has a little boy. Matheson got married over the summer, now you're engaged. So it's kind of cool that you've been around the guys for so long, the core of the team, and you've been able to kind of grow up together off the ice as well as on the ice. Yeah, it's our second family. So I think, you know, you're with them so many, every day, you know, for six months, seven months. So obviously you go together. It's nice to see, you know, obviously, you know, some people come in, they're single and not like, you know, they have families and 
they're they're married, so it's it's cool to see that. I think we grew together, so we're, we're fortunate that you know we didn't have a lot of movement, obviously, here and there. But I think that the same core is together, and it's really cool to see that. And we're really, really like familiar with the, the the group of guys, and I think this year we're gelling pretty good with all the guys. Are there any players that you're especially tight with off the ice that you hang out with a little bit more? Um, yeah, I try to. I mean, I hang out with Dagblad a lot, Chochek. Uh, Obviously, there's a lot of, I try to hang out with, you know, Yandel too. I mean, I try to hang out with a lot of guys, try to, you know, pick different guys to go to dinner sometime. And I think it's just, you know, obviously you hang out with more, like, you know, with, with the same guys sometime more often. But I think, you know, Hoffman, obviously, too, I'm really close with him. So I think it's just like you try to, to hang out with everybody. But I feel like, you know, we, we all like each other and it's pretty cool. You mentioned Ekblad. I'm just curious, just you see the videos after big wins and everything, and you guys get really excited. I'm just like, you guys seem to have something a little special, a little different with the way you celebrate together. Like, is there anything to uh, that? No, nah, not really. I think, I mean, we're kind of, everybody's really excited. Obviously, maybe we kind of <laughs> celebrate together. But, uh, no, I think we're, you know, like I said, it's like, it's pretty cool, and everybody's different, but I think it's uh, it's, it's good when you win it's everybody's happy and uh, you can see in the room like coming into the ring to change the attitude of the guys uh, the last few years you've been lucky enough to play with two of the best players that maybe you've ever played with in Barkov and Dadnov. what an amazing line that you guys have created I'm wondering over the years uh, have you had any other line mates that stand out to you that have just been really amazing like that like these two guys yeah obviously Barky you know is uh, such a good player and daddy I think you know not a lot of guys talks about him but I think he's uh, you know, undercover, he's really good. I think he's really fast, and I think we make obviously we make a good line. But it's when Jag, Jagger was there, he was you know different. But it was a different type of line. You know, a lot of time possession, and you know he would use his big body, so it would like different obviously than Daddy. But uh, I think it was just two combined. Obviously, playing with a legend like Jag, you know, helped us a lot for confidence, and he was really good to us. You know, learn taught us a lot of things and I think that we could put in our bag and kind of go forward from there. What about during like juniors or when you're first playing, is anybody, any of your old teammates stand out that were just amazing line mates? Um, yeah, obviously junior, I played a lot with Zach Phillips, you know, that got drafted in uh, Minnesota, I think, or Boston. And uh, Thomas Yurko that plays in, uh, <clears throat> I think right now he's in Edmonton. So uh, I don't know, there, there was two line mates that I played a lot junior and kind of helped me to get where I'm at right now. Now, now this is just the fun part of the interview. Just um, curious about our own team. So, who would you say is like the strangest or funniest locker room habits or pregame habits? Uh, pregame habits, I'd say probably Bobrovsky. I mean, this guy is uh, his own page, and uh, it's pretty. Sometimes it's weird the stuff he does, but it uh, it works. How about over the years, any any leadership players that you played under that were like maybe veteran leaders that you stand up? I mean, you mentioned Yogs before, obviously. Yeah, I think uh, Willie Mitchell, obviously, you know, captain. I think that guy was really one of the great captain I had, and I think he, he would show in the room. And the last thing I just wanted to ask you about on this topic is we mentioned Q before. Have there been any other Q, uh, any other coaches over the years that stand out? I know Turk was with you for juniors and up here, but it's, you know, what stands out to you as far as, like, those great coaches over the years? Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously Turk has uh, always been a great coach, you know, for us and for me. So I think, you know, having him junior too, we won together. So I think we have a special, you know, connection. But I think he was great here when he when he was here too. So I think we, you know, still talk. And, you know, it's it's good that he has a job in Vegas now. 
Well, Jonathan, I wanted to thank you so much for coming on the podcast, and I look forward to watching you and the rest of the guys the rest of the year, and I wish you nothing but the best of luck. All right, thanks for having me. That's going to do it for Episode 7 of the Chirping the Cats podcast. I'd like to thank my guest, Jonathan Huberto, for coming on and spending a few minutes. And uh, once again, if you like what you're hearing, please uh, feel free to let me know on Twitter. Uh, Give us a good rating, subscribe to the podcast, and uh, we'll be back with another episode before you know it. Until the next time, David Dwork here. Have a good one.